The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Discover a positive path for spiritual living. Welcome to Voices of Unity with Rev. Jackie Fernandez. Welcome to Voices of Unity. This is your host, Rev. Jackie Fernandez, and we are live today. From the Tower of Unity Village, I'm calling it now the Power Hour in the Tower, if that is not too much to say. But I feel it. I feel it for this month. I am starting a new series on healing, a whole month of healing. And today I have Reverend Ann Tabor, and we're going to put a myrtle on it. It is Myrtle Fillmore's birthday today. So that is perfect timing for that show. Next week I'll have Reverend Myra McFadden, and we will talk about being present for healing. And August 20th, Don Miguel Ruiz Jr., Healthy, Happy Relationships. And then I'll close out the month with Reverend Masando Hiroka with Healing Through Social Justice. So this is going to be a power hour for the month of August. And today, Reverend Ann Tabor, my classmate from seminary, my dear friend, my sister seven, I am so glad to have you with me from Arlington, Texas. I am thrilled to be here with you, Reverend Jackie, on Myrtle's birthday. Happy birthday, Myrtle Fillmore. Yes, happy birthday, Myrtle. Should we start with a song? Can we do that? Ah, oh, happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Myrtle, Mother Myrtle. Happy birthday to you. Mm-hmm. Amen. Thank you. Thank you for that. Oh, we've been so blessed by Myrtle, Mother Myrtle. We have been so blessed by her spirit, her passion, her art, her writing, her spirituality. And so I'm excited to um, to bring her presence to us um, today and this conversation with my dear friend. And, you know, Ann Tabor, not everybody knows you as well as I do. So I'm going to just tell a few things about you. Of course, you're serving as senior minister at Unity of Arlington in Arlington, Texas. And you went there straight out of school. So you've been there since 2015. That's been four years. That's right. Holy moly. (laughs) You have a bachelor degree in journalism. How about that? And let's tell people before your call to ministry, because there was life before ministry for many of us. Yes. (laughs) Yes, you were a film and TV producer in Los Angeles, and your primary focus was post-production while working in network television. And a few of your credits include Damages, The Twilight Zone, Soul Food, and In the Heat of the Night. Let's talk about The Heat of the Night. Oh, my gosh. Your husband, The Saint. The the pivotal In the Heat of the Night. Yes. Yes. Where I met my husband, the saint, who had no idea we were going to be on a ministry journey together. <laughs> but yeah, so my husband, David Hart, who I call uh, my husband, the saint, uh, was an actor on that show. And uh, that's where we met. Yeah. And that's amazing. He's wonderful. Such such, such a saint. You know, he, he wears that banner and has earned that name. I've seen it myself. You have. <laughs> Went 21 years later of marriage. Amen to that. I yeah. mean, and it all started with the baseball game, right? <laughs> I'm just you didn't know I was going to go there right the from the start it's right true. right <laughs> so and you are the founder of Daily Fillmore and not many people know that so if you follow Daily Fillmore on Facebook or on Twitter that is the brainchild and um, daily diligence I would probably say of Ann Tabor and and you share quotes uh, by the by both Charles and Myrtle and you've been doing that since 2012. I have. I'm grateful for that divine idea. You know, I don't, I, I've, it's never been a secret. I just, you know, I'm just a little bit under the radar with it because it's not really about me. It's about our co-founders. Yes. And it's just a joy, you know, to be able to, to do that, you know. And I love it when people comment and, you know, some do it regularly. I feel like it's really taking a like a community kind of ministry uh, um, uh, persona, and I'm grateful for it. Just grateful because I love this message. And yes, it's, uh, it's just a joy to be able to share that. Well, it's a real treat, and it reminds me sort of the anonymity of it. Reminds me much of Silent Unity and how the prayer is not about the prayers. Right. And so there's that, that that one voice. So I appreciate that aspect of it. But also, I think it's great for people to know who's 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 behind the curtain, who's the woman behind the curtain. 
And so, of course, we had a good time. You and David were, um, during seminary, you were giving that service, that weekly service on Wednesday evenings at Unity Temple on the Plaza, Wednesday evening love lift. And I was invited a couple times to bring my sax and participate, maybe my bass. And I think I gave a talk or two. And so that was amazing. It was. What, I mean, what a gift, Reverend Duke Tufty. Uh, you know, gave me and that opportunity to serve in that way while in seminary and for Reverend uh, Paula McDesey for, you know, making the, uh, the referral. Yes. Uh, but yeah, we did church together. We, we sure did. did. Uh, mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I remember one of your favorites, uh, you did Ash Wednesday. Oh, you did yes. Because you love ceremony and ritual. Um, and, uh, you know, I bow to you in that regard. <laughs> I mean, I love it too, but not like you. Um, I, I I do love it. For you, and I remember saying, "Okay, Jackie, it's Ash Wednesday, but let's not go like too, you know, whatever, one way or another." And you were like, "Have you met me?" I know. You know? Yeah, <laughs> I, I remember you were pretty nervous up yeah, up until so you know go time. You were pretty nervous. I loved it. it was great I watching you, and you sort of squirm. It so and so many people showed up and were yeah. served by that. So uh, yeah, I'm grateful for those those days at the at the well. And they have served me well, um, you know, in church ministry uh, post seminary for sure. Oh, for sure. And that's just a, a beautiful community there. So a beautiful place to sort of blossom. And you know, it, it reminds me too. We had some conversations um, during that time because you, you started doing your healing services. I did. There. I. Did. And you may have been doing them before, but I, I remember when you brought them there because I remember the conversation of you asking, did Charles and Myrtle lay hands on people for their prayer and healing services? That is an excellent question, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> it kind of blew my mind when you asked it because it hadn't occurred to me. I, I think I just had assumed that that was not part of the history or we would have known or still have been doing it. Um, but that was an excellent question. And, of course, being a person who loves ritual and ceremony and all of that, that feels very ceremonial and, you know, experiential. And so I just, oh, that was a juicy question. You know, I, and, and just to back up for a second, I, I just want to offer this, that the healing service was not my idea. Okay. Uh, it actually came from the chaplains at Unity Temple on the plaza at that time because they supported the Wednesday evening service. Um, and it had been a while since they uh, uh, were able to do a healing service. So they, in other words, they came to me and asked me for it. And my response was, um, I'll have to get back to you on that. (laughs) Um, You know, I just didn't see myself uh, as uh, facilitating that uh, type of service. And then uh, within a short period of time, I think we were maybe together in this class, we were doing special services uh, with Dr. Tom. And then uh, I think Reverend Myra came and actually taught one or two of those classes. But I thought, okay, I will create, let me see if I can create a healing service that I feel good about. Um, And that's where, that's where it came from. And again, just a divine appointment because uh, you know, people are looking for just just like we find, you know, currently in our culture, people are looking for hope, yeah. uh, for sure. You know, a spiritual principle that I believe in. Um, you know, they're looking for uh, healing, and everyone. And once I started doing them, uh, uh, or I should say, we, because David was involved and Alex Cordero was involved, uh, and the chaplains were involved. And once we started doing that once a month, it was just an amazing honor really to be able to to offer that um but it did start with well what what does it look like that i can feel comfortable with because i i think when we start talking about healing particularly in new thought we need to make some clarifications like we believe in medicine yes you know, just yes. to, just clear that up. Uh, I love uh, Bishop Barbara King in Atlanta, Georgia says, let God be in the medicine. Let God uh, be in the medicine. So, yes. Let God be in the medicine. Mm-hmm. Um, and then how, how do we do that? And then I, I really needed to find my way through hands-on. 
uh, because when I hear people say, I'm a healer, mm-hmm. I don't really know what that means. Uh, you know, I, I believe, you know, God flows from us, uh, through us, from us, so that, you know, we can help create the sacred space, right? Mm-hmm. But all healing comes from within. Right. So what does it mean when we lay hands? What are we doing? I believe, uh, you know, much like, and I remember this point of our conversation, you know, with uh, with prayer chaplains, uh, so often uh, those that serve in that beautiful way, um, you know, in our churches, you know, often, you know, you, you can you can even visualize this, you can imagine this, you know, a prayer chaplain will take the hands of the mm-hmm. person seeking prayer and asking for prayer, you know, and going and exploring that uh, prayer request. Um, and so ultimately, where I landed with it is, first of all, the person who is uh, who is um, doing the light touch, and that's the way we facilitated it, a very light touch on the shoulders. That's what our prayer chaplains would do. But the, the prayer chaplain needed to be clear that they were not doing the healing. Right. They were just you know, creating the space um, and holding that sacred space so that the healing could take place within that individual. Yes. And I remember that you, for those services, you would have um, people leave a row between where they were seated, and then they could indicate with a program on the seat in front of them if they wanted healing or, or the hands-on or not. That's right. That's and right. so the chaplains would know, have a visual cue, and they would know who to, to who to go to and, and, and who not to. That's right. That's right. And, you know, we understand that there are many different uh, modalities of, of healing. And I'm, uh, not here to pass judgment, you know, whatever works works. Uh, but as a minister and as a, you know, a a seminarian, you know, I found, um, it very important to explore that. And again, so grateful, uh, because that has served me extremely well in ministry. Yes. And so have you carried that, um, tradition with you to Texas? I have. Uh, We don't do it once a month, um, you know, because I'm not doing a a Wednesday evening service. But um, we do we do a healing service, I would say, average three, maybe four times a a year. Um, I uh, have been also creating them in conjunction uh, with some other ideas. Uh, When I arrived here, our fine arts director, Diane Pierce, uh, had created a Taze service. So um, uh, sometimes when we do a healing service, it's sort of in conjunction with something that's Taze-like, like mm-hmm. in December we'll do a remembrance uh, service. Or, uh, you know, on Monday, Thursday, we've been able to do uh, a healing service, uh, I think, uh, for the last two, maybe three years. Uh, and then a couple others sprinkled throughout the year. Um, and, uh, again, always well-received uh, I have, you know, congregants that are, um, you know, navigating some health, uh, challenges. And, uh, for those that are in that, um, scenario, they're so grateful for the space to just be, uh, and to, you know, soak up some of these wonderful myrtle ideas. It is, you know, and for someone like like me, one of my love language, my primary love language is touch. So I, you know, that's why I think the question when you asked it was so juicy to me because I had had experience in a faith tradition that did lay um, hands on like regularly. And so, you know, for me, that's something that just it's grounding to have, you know, someone in prayer space. There's first of all that sacred space. There's such a, a trust in that moment to be with someone else. And so to have someone, you know, hands on the shoulders or even holding hands, it's very grounding for me. And so I appreciate that, you know, whether it was done in days gone of unity and, you know, the founders, um, I appreciate that you're bringing that forward now. And, you know, healing is is the foundational movement in the unity movement that's Myrtle's story, right? It is her. It is her story. I mean, 
um, for, for those of us not aware, actually this movement began because of her healing. You know, Charles kind of uh, got on board a little bit later. Yeah. Uh, but, um, well, shall I just go into that for a yes, minute? Yes, yes. for a minute? Yes. So um, she was told in her early 40s she had a terminal tuberculosis. Uh, and at that time, in the late 1800s, of course, that was uh, pretty much a death sentence. Yeah. And um, so she, you know, went exploring and uh, heard about Dr. E.B. Weeks giving a lecture one evening. And as the story goes, uh, she went to that lecture and she heard him say, uh, you are a child of God and therefore you do not inherit sickness. And that just resonated with her um, immediately. And so before she left the lecture hall that evening, uh, she started affirming, I am a child of God and therefore I do not inherit sickness. And that is something that she eventually integrated into a prayer practice uh, where she started blessing uh, every part of her body. And I think this is extraordinary. One, because she took the time to do it. Yeah. I mean, she carved out the time yes. uh, to do this. And um, so for two years, uh, she every day she carved out the time to bless her body from the top of her head to the soles of her feet. Uh, and actually, for anybody who's wanting to know more about this, uh, there is a, uh, you can probably find it on unity.org. Uh, she wrote how I found health. Uh, and that is by Myrtle Fillmore. And, um, I actually have that in front of me. So let me just read a little bit of that. Shall I? Yes. And I'll find the link and put it in the event. Awesome. Uh, so she says, I did most of the healing myself because I wanted the understanding for future use, and this is how I made what I call my discovery. She says, I was thinking about life, life everywhere in animals and in people. Then why doesn't the life in the animal make a body like a human's, I asked. Then I thought, the animal has not as much sense as a human. Ah, intelligence as well as life is needed to make a body. Here's the key to my discovery. Life has to be guided by intelligence in making all forms. The same law works in my own body. Life is simply a form of energy, and it has to be guided and directed in a person's body by his or her intelligence. Now, we do communicate intelligence by thinking and talking, of course. That's how we do it. Um, then it flat. This is great. Then it flashed upon me that I might talk to the life in every part of my body and have it do just what I wanted. I began to teach my body and got marvelous results. In a holy moment. Yes. In a I mean, holy moment. There it is. There it is. Um, and then later in this, uh, this lovely uh, little account and story, she says, I, and this is crucial, I did not let any worried or anxious thoughts into my mind, and I stopped speaking gossipy, frivolous, petulant, angry words. I let a little prayer go up every hour that Jesus Christ would be with me and help me to think and speak only kind loving, true words, and I am sure that he is with me because I am so peaceful and happy now. Mm. And I've got it here in front of me, and she goes on, I, I want everybody to know about this beautiful, true law and to use it. Ah, thank you, Myrtle. Like a disciple. You know? I know. <laughs> I know. I mean, she, you know, and the thing is, you know, the, you know like you said, as the story goes, you know, for two years— um, she meditated and prayed and, and spoke to her body and healed. And I have to think, and only because I know how healing works in my life, that it wasn't like, boom, done. You know, I think that it was probably ongoing. And, you know, we so often we want like, okay, when does the cure happen? And there's a difference between the cure and the healing, you know, curing versus healing. 
What do you think about that? I uh, I think that's something great to for us to talk about here because so often there is a misinterpretation of healing that it's always physical. Yes, and it's not always physical. Um, I think uh, Robert Grummet, who of course we love so dearly, uh, he writes beautifully about this in his book, uh, The Quest for Wholeness, because it is about wholeness. And sometimes, you know, healing happens just from that realization that we are already whole, regardless of the uh, physical uh, restoration. Um, I think it also speaks to, you know, healing isn't, uh, isn't limited to just physical restoration. There are many things from which we heal many things, uh, you know, grief, uh, loss of a loved one, uh, could be loss of a job or a home or, I mean, there's so many things from which we, uh, can apply, uh, our healing, um, our healing techniques, I, I yes. guess is the word I'm looking for, our healing techniques too. So I think there's a big difference between cure and healing when we know that healing is focusing on wholeness yes. uh, and just a specific like physical result. Right. And it's and I think you said it key to it's the knowing of the wholeness that that abides is that that yes. knowing of it. Yes. So yes. so put a myrtle on it. Ann Tabor, put a myrtle on it. <laughs> yes. Okay. So uh, I, you know, followed my uh, divine guidance. Thank you, God, uh, and began creating this healing service. And uh, it's just a phrase that came to me, you know, during this process. Put a myrtle on it. And what that refers to is this beautiful, um, this beautiful prayer practice that. Myrtle created that inspired uh, me, which is going to every part of my body and blessing my body. And uh, I don't remember, I think maybe I started that in 2013. um, uh, And maybe it was 2014, I'm not sure. But ever since then, every single morning in my prayer practice, every single morning before my feet hit the floor, uh, the first part of my prayer practice practice is blessing my body, blessing my body and my thoughts, my words, my actions, my deeds, that they be in alignment with my true nature, my love nature. And then I literally start from the start from the top of my head down to the tips of my toes. And I bless every part of my body, every part of my body. And it has blessed me a million times over, uh, particularly when I am, you know, working with, um, you know, something specific. Um, but it's also something in ministry that I share with my congregants. Uh, you know, when a congregant comes to me uh, in spiritual counseling and we're discussing a particular uh, health uh, challenge, this is what I share with them. This is what I share with them, Um, not only because I'm inspired by Myrtle and her healing, but because I do it. And again, that's why I, I, you know, uh, point back to we have to be willing to carve out the time to actually do it. Yeah. And I love that because it's, you know, put a Myrtle on it. It's a fun, you know, quippy little phrase. And yet it calls out, it calls out exactly what you just said, because we know that Myrtle carved out that time. So it's not, you know, if we, you know, we need to pray, you know, you need to pray or spend some time in meditation. And often, you know, we might do that once or and expect results, right? Like, Okay, I said my prayer, I said my affirmations, or or we might find a magic number. If I said my affirmations, you know, every 10 minutes or the top of the hour all day for two whole days, why am I not seeing any results? You know, we get into these sort of mind games. And so when you when you call that out, put a myrtle on it, you know, we get into that timelessness. And it is, you know, it is a direct reflection of the practice. Yes. The practice of blessing. I mean, goodness, Jackie, just imagine how different our world mm-hmm. will be. Mm-hmm. Will be, you know, when we all take the time, you know, to to invest in that kind of practice of just 
loving our bodies and blessing our bodies. Um, you know, I, I, you know, in ministry, you know, this as well. Um, uh, it is, uh, oh gosh, you know, first of all, it's a beautiful moment when someone trusts and trusts, uh, these kinds of conversations with me. Um, but you know, so many people have that internal self-talk, uh, that is so negative. And, um, and the reason it's a practice is because for many of us, it takes a little time, you know, to yeah. shift those gears. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, sometimes you have to spray a little w, spiritual WD-40 <laughs> <laughs> just to loosen things up a, a little bit. Um, you know, but, but here's what I know absolutely for sure. And for anyone who's who's listening um, either now or later, I hope that uh, my prayer is that they will take this in. You know, in any scenario, in any healing scenario, there is always, always a best possible outcome. Yes. Amen. Well, that's the music. So we are going to take a short break and we're going to come back and I have some questions for you, Anne. So let's have a break and we'll be right back. Experience the difference. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Thanks for joining us. Welcome back to Voices of Unity with Reverend Jackie Fernandez. And I'm back with Reverend Ann Tabor. And again, to remind you that the phone lines are open. Call in 816-251-3555. Also, you can put a question or comment on the Facebook event or message me on Facebook. And I'd be happy to read your question or comment on the air. So call in and chat with us. And we were just closing out before the break um, on on looking for or, or in knowing that there is always a best outcome for healing. That's right. I I feel like that is the um, that's like the the perfect prayer. You know, this or something better. Ah, it's my um, favorite. When we just understand that in every in every situation in every scenario, there is always a best possible outcome. There is always the best and highest good. And I think that that takes some of the individual pressure off of trying to focus too much on something specific. Um, You know, that's that part where we just, you know, let God be in the medicine or let God be in the healing. Um, We let God be God, right? Um, If we can just practice that, there's a best possible outcome. And that's what we are affirming. Yes, and I find for me that it also activates my creative power and mm. gets me out of my head. You know, yes. if, I've, if I'm focused, you know, logically in my mind or, you know, that knowing that there's, there might be something I'm not seeing, it gets me into that, that creative power. And I just, my heart opens and then I can just allow God and allow the moment and allow the situation. And I might open up to a next layer of healing, you know, something that I I was actually closing myself off to. So, what do you what do you think about that? How does that feel? I I think that that that's where faith starts to mm-hmm. come in, and belief uh, uh, really um, lays uh, a foundation and some groundwork, even if it's help my unbelief. Yes, because, you know, we're 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 uh, invited to look beyond the physical appearance of so many things. Um, And and yet, you know, we also don't want to spiritually bypass. Right. But I really believe that's where faith uh, comes in. And, you know, this is why Jesus, uh, you know, even in, you know, the healing stories that we find in Scripture, you know, he would ask the person, you you know, uh, do you believe, uh, do you believe that this is possible? Um, I'm thinking, um, you know, for the, the woman who was bleeding, mm-hmm. who touched the hem of his garment, yep. uh, 
Uh, and her faith was so strong. And he said, daughter, yeah. your, your faith, faith has, has healed you. Right? Yeah. He didn't say my faith. No. He said, your faith has made you well. Yes. And, um, you know, so I, I think that 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 layer of uh, belief is really, really crucial. Uh, I'm also thinking of, uh, you know, our beloved uh, author, Eric Butterworth. Mm-hmm. You know, he he would say about affirmations, we don't say them to make them true. We say them because they're already true. Yes. Uh, and, you know, it, it again, it, you know, we might have to spray a little spiritual WD-40 mm-hmm. on that, you <laughs> know, to loosen up. because <laughs> Right. You know, particularly like if you're new to this teaching, uh, y- you know, you're you might say, well, how could I look beyond the, you know, the physical? Uh, you know, it's just so obvious. And yet that is what we're invited to do. Yes. OK, so I've got three questions for you. I'm and, ready. Yes. <laughs> uh, but they're and they're for the listeners, too. And it's for for the process of putting a myrtle on it. Mm-hmm. So, so I want to get three things really clear. And the first one: What is the goal of healing? Mm-hmm. I think the. Uh, I mean, we've already touched on, yes. on yeah. some of this, right? I mean, the in my understanding and in my own experience, uh, the goal of of healing is is recognizing my own innate wholeness. Yes. Uh, in other words, it, it can be a spiritual healing. Uh, it's not always reserved for dis-ease, as uh, Louise Hay you know, spoke so beautifully about, or physical restoration. It really is just about that, that innate uh, wholeness that we, that we all have. And I would say, you know, one of the most profound realizations I ever had around this, and this, again, this may have come from Robert Brummett's um, teachings, uh, you know, death Mm. is a healing. Yeah. Now, you know, a lot of us, uh, that makes us uncomfortable, right? But um, when you really let that that sink in and you think about, um, you know, the beauty of that, uh, there's a lot of truth in that, that, you know, even death, uh, you know, uh, can be, uh, a healing, but, but for me, it's really just the, the, the realization of our own innate divinity and, and wholeness. How about you? Um, (laughs) with the goal of healing for me, yes, it's anchored in returning to, and this is, I'm saying the same thing that you're saying. Um, the words I use are knowing who and whose I am. Oh, yes. That's beautiful. Because that, that pulls me into that, just as you're saying, that innate wholeness that is always abiding in me. And, and that I belong there. That, that even as I have my own individual expression, that that is the truth of me and that is the place I belong in, and that I'm kept safe there. So returning to that knowing. Yes, in mind, body, and spirit. Yes. Yeah. That's lovely. So, question number two. Yes. (laughs) Am I doing it right? Oh, my goodness. What a great question. (laughs) Oh, my. I would say if, you know, that's like uh, so many people struggle uh, with uh, establishing any meditation practice because the thought always initially is like, I'm not doing it right, you know, because you're thinking about a million things. Um, and I, you know, my, my thoughts on that are start where you are. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, if you need some support and some uh, assistance in establishing a practice, there's lots of uh, you know, ways in which you can do that. Certainly, you know, unity churches, unity mm-hmm. centers, you know, is a great way to, to do that. Um, and I do think it's important there. I don't think there's any way to do it wrong, but I do think it's important to do it in a, um, you know, in a healthy way. Um, so that, um, you know, so that you're not, um, you know, again, that self-talk when it's so embedded, you know, for, for, uh, for a lot of folks, they don't know what they don't know. Right. Right. So they might be actually affirming something that might not be as helpful as something else. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yes. 
Mm-hmm. But for for myrtle, I mean, to put a myrtle on it, it really is the simple practice of taking the time to yes. bless your body from the top of your head to the tips of your toes. Well, and I want to circle back to right to before that. What you said before was that that faith piece, right? Believing in yes. your healing, believe in your healing. Yes, and. Be- that it is possible. Believe yes. that there is a best possible outcome. And we don't know what that is. Right. We don't have to know what that is. That's the point of not knowing. Uh, you know, in my prayer for, for you know, those of us that are in that situation, I mean, asking, even just asking the question, am I doing it right, is an indicator. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> to switch gears. Yes. Right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Okay. So put a myrtle on it. Believe that there's a best possible outcome. To bless your body. Mm, bless your body, yes. So three, are we done yet? Mm. <laughs> I don't think we're ever done. Uh, those are my thoughts on that. You know, I don't think we're ever, uh, you know, um, you know, the, the, the whole like life is a journey. Um, you know, you will always be uh, in practice whether it's beginner's mind or, um, you know, just being open to, uh, you know, the journey. Um, I think for, uh, for many, uh, it's also just opening up to uh, allowing, like letting go and allowing the healing to, um, to take place. Yes. Does that make sense? Yes, and being patient. Being patient. Yeah. Oy. Yeah, yeah, being patient. That's the worst. Gently, God, gently, right? Mm, I'm not good at patience. Yeah. <laughs> I would like to affirm that I am, but like we said, affirmations are rooted in truth statements. Yes, but even with Myrtle, I mean, t- it took her two years. Yes. But, I mean, she became, you know, whole and healthy and you know, she got this, uh, you know, she was told again in the, her early 40s, get your affairs in order. Like maybe you have six months. Yeah. Uh, again, at that time in the late 1800s, that was, it was pretty much a death sentence. Right. And yet mm-hmm. she lived well into her 80s, well into her 80s. Yeah. Uh, and, and you know, there are many, many other ministers and folks who know a lot more about Myrtle uh, than I do, but my understanding is that, you know, Myrtle was a practicing Methodist. Yes. Um, and so, you know, these ideas, these, these, uh, this practice that we're talking about today is for anyone and everyone, anyone yeah. and everyone. Yes. So guess what, Anne? We have a couple of phone calls. Yay. All right. Louie, can we get a caller? Yeah. All right. Hey, Andy. Hey, how's it going? Pretty good. Thank you for calling yeah, I'm in. Loving the show. No, thank you guys. I'm loving the show. I just uh, I had a topic that I wanted to dive more deep into, and that's prayer. Um, I didn't really ever grow up um, spiritually at all, like a very non-religious family. And I married my wife, her father, I'm not going to say what denomination, is actually a preacher. And it's fairly, um, his prayer is definitely different than what we do in Unity. It's more, you know, uh, please, Lord, help me find my keys. And then when he finds his keys, he says, thank you, Lord. Just very, you know, generic. And there's a couple of Myrtle quotes that have really, really turned me on to prayer, because I've always been... I can't say I've been bad at it. It's just I've never understood it as well. And Myrtle really put it um, into to great words for me. And here's one that she has. Sometimes we pray to a God outside of ourselves. It is the God in the midst of ourselves that frees and heals. And that just that really uh, is cut and dry. It kind of just speaks to me a lot more than anything. And the the second quote is prayer is an exercise to change our thought habits and our living habits that we may set up a new and better activity in accord with the divine law rather than with suggestions we have received from various sources. I just want to hear what um, your thoughts are on prayer.
prayer and is there is there a wrong way to pray? That's a great question, Andy, and thank you for sharing those words of Myrtle. Andy, you want to take that one? I'd be happy to uh, at least start with it because I want to hear your thoughts as well. Yeah. Um, what a great question. Uh, and I would say one of the things that um, unity does very differently uh, than uh, other let's just say mainstream uh, Christianity, um, is what we call affirmative prayer. We pray affirmatively, which is actually what Jesus also uh, taught. Um, We don't believe in begging and beseeching. And just even in the simplest uh, way of of thinking about that, it just puts you in a negative energy. Um, uh, And again, you know, Eric Butterworth would say, we don't affirm things to make them true, like you need a magic wand, uh, or any magic for that matter. Uh, We affirm them because we know them to already be true. Um, and so it's a bit of a, uh, a shift for a lot of folks that are coming into this new way of, of thinking about affirmative prayer. And in fact, that's exactly what uh, Myrtle's prayer practice in blessing her body, you know, that was very yes. affirmative uh, as opposed to, you know, what again can be that negative self-talk of, you know, being down on your body um, and instead just blessing it. Um, you know, I use a, a phrase in my ministry. I want to say I heard this maybe from Reverend Wendy Craig Purcell the first time. I'm not sure. Um, but the phrase is born fine the first time. Yeah. Because we know that we are born in blessing. Yes. Um, and that's just a great place to start, yes. you know, to to pray affirmatively, knowing that, you know, we have that spark of divinity within us. So, you know, begging and beseeching is just not, not necessary. Yeah. And yeah, echo everything that you just said. And, and, and there are no prayer police. No prayer police. No prayer police. So the the prayer, the the right prayer is the one that works. So the question I always come to is, how is it working for you? That's right. Yeah. And again, because it could just be as simple of what kind of, you know, energy, you know, we, we are living in the energy of God, right? right? The living, loving, breathing energy of God as us. And so if you're in, uh, you know, an energy of, 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 of begging, what, 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 you know, what are you creating when you have a choice? You know, I always say we have this wonderful power of imagination. You might as well use it for good. You know, yeah. you might as well. You know, yeah. imagine yes. Great. Well, and then as Johnny Coleman said, it works if you work it. You know, That's so there's right. there's that that part, like in the example that Andy shared, you know, please, God, help me find my keys. If you just sit there and wait for the keys to be brought to you, you know, that. But if you get up and and the help is help me find, is me find, you know, I'm doing the verb. And so moving forward in that, um, if that's working, you know, and you're working it, then that becomes effective prayer. And I think at the heart of it, that's what we want is effective prayer. We want our communion with the divine to be, to have an impact on either ourselves or the world. And again, knowing knowing that there is always a best possible outcome. Yes. Yes. Okay. Louie, do we have another caller? Oh, I I think maybe they disconnected. Okay. Okay. Um, All right, Anne, so put a myrtle on it. Number one, believe that there is a best possible outcome. Two, bless your body. Carve out the time to bless your body. Three, be patient. That's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you for that divine idea, that gift, and that that process that so beautifully captures uh, the work that Myrtle Fillmore did. Um, our friend and colleague, Reverend Kelly Isola, has chimed in a few times on Facebook, and she said that um, that Myrtle had a two-step process for healing, believe and be open and, re- and receptive to the healing stream of life. And then Kelly says, amen. Yes, patience. Amen. Amen patience. to that. So, Anne, you know, we've talked about um, the personal practice of healing. Let's expand it into community. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, would 
be remiss. You know, we have some some real devastating things happening in our country right now. And you're you're in Arlington, Texas. So how far are you from El Paso? Oh, about I think it's about five hours. Five hours. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So talk to me. But, but nonetheless, my backyard. Yes, yeah. yes, your backyard. And and for all of us, I think it, for many of us, let me say it that way, for many of us and for myself, that it, it feels, I mean, it just always feels it's in my backyard and uh, potentially, you know, the next mass shooting, where's it going to be? You know, we have this epidemic that just keeps happening. And I, you know, I see on social media that, conversation, you know, is it mental illness? No, I'm mentally ill and I've never shot up, you know, uh, you know, a group of people. And we, we have all of this rhetoric happening. How do we find that stillness, the place where we can bring he- the healing forward that we all, I think, can agree that there is an aspect of healing at play here or a call for it? Yes, I... Um, and when you say El Paso, you're referring to the shooting that took place yes. on last yes. Saturday, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we should say that, especially for people listening in the future. And uh, and and although El Paso is several hours away, um, it was my understanding that the actual uh, shooter was a resident of Dallas. So that really is in oh, our wow. yeah. Um so I, gosh, you know, I, I also agree. It's something that we have to be in conversation about, even if it makes us uncomfortable. Um, and uh, just referring back to uh, Reverend Kelly, who uh, I also saw on Facebook that she did a very important conversation at, um, I think it was Unity Southeast um, yes. in the last couple of days. It's yes. so important that we be in this conversation. And when I mentioned that there are many things from which, you know, we can heal from many opportunities that includes any kind of natural disaster. Uh, you know, we've seen hurricanes and fires or any kind of tragedy like these mass shootings. Um, the way I view them is, uh, an opportunity, um, for us to create this collective, um, healing, Uh, You know, in the words of Mahatma Gandhi, you know, we have to be the change. We have to be the presence. We have to uh, pray and move our feet. Um, You know, it's it is a challenging time. Not that it's about us by any means, but, you know, to be a faith leader and come up with new ways to address this on a Sunday morning. Yeah. Um, You know, we have to pray and move our feet. And uh, the obvious of that is, of course, you know, how you vote. Uh, to choose leaders that you believe are going to be in alignment, um, you know, with, uh, you know, a message, uh, a healthy message uh, about uh, love, but also taking some of those actions in terms of what is accessible and available uh, legally, you know, Um, and I'm, you know, I'm just going to say it because it's so obvious, but, you know, that is, you know, firearms. Um, um, But for us as truth students, uh, you know, the time has is now, you know, for us to to speak to this uh, in the ways that we actually take that fifth principle out into the world and how we show up and how we um, discuss this epidemic. Um, And um, I think it's crucial. I think it's really important. Now, I'm very careful about that on Sunday mornings from the pulpit uh, because, um, uh, you know, I'm, it, it's not my job uh, to tell people uh, how to feel um, politically. Right. Um, but so many of these issues are not political. Um, and I think that that's another area where we just you know, can stand in our own truth and and speak to uh, Jesus as an example rather than the exception. Yes. Well said. And I'm so on board with you that that putting prayer uh, action to our prayers, putting feet to our prayers and that movement between uh, the fourth and fifth principles, you know, and as you know, I am I have a movement of my own that I'm working with called Prayer to Action. And, you know, it breaks my heart a little, you know, every time I see, you know, enough prayers, you know, 
forget your prayers and that kind of thing. I, I get it. I understand where it's coming from because that sort of um, just uh, it feels like lip service. You know, we're sending our thoughts and prayers when there's no action put behind it. And so I appreciate the conversation is expanding and sort of calling um, faith leaders and in many cases political leaders, you know, to the mat that it's not enough, you know, to just send your prayers and thoughts. But as all healing begins in prayer, we still must always start there. We must. We must. Yes. And it's not either or, it's absolutely and. Yes. And so I do have a concern. I don't want thoughts and prayers to get a bad rap either, you know, but it's just, that's the beginning point, you know, and then we must all listen for our own guidance. What are, you know, what, as a listener today, what are you called to do? There's something that everyone can do. Um, And so we must really just tune in uh, to that and then do it. You know, yes. have the courage and the strength and the faith and the belief and the patience and the healing, yes. you know, to be a part of all of that and, and do it. Yes. And we just need so much more of that. And thank you for, you know, bringing that conversation to your work. I think that as, you know, like what we saw Reverend Kelly did um, at Unity Southeast, and I haven't watched yet, but I know Reverend Randy, who is the senior minister at Unity Southeast, posted his Sunday talk Um, I know he brings it to the pulpit and I know many of our leaders and I see um, in many of our discussions among unity ministers, you know, what are you saying? You know, how are you bringing this to your communities? Because we can't, we can't not speak to it. And, and yes, we have to be careful not to, you know, make it political, but, you know, anymore, it feels like everything you say can be politicized. And so we have to hold that high watch and and stay grounded and bring it back to that spiritual work and that work of healing. Amen. Amen to that. And again, looking to, you know, our master teacher, our yes. way shower, Jesus as the example. You know, he was yes. pretty clear, love your neighbor as yourself. And it, you know, so often that, you know, as yourself, right? A lot of people don't necessarily love themselves. And so again, you know, back to, to Myrtle's practice of loving your body, imagine the world Mm. that we are creating by encouraging people to do just that, to do just that, to, you know, to, to love your body, to love yourself so that you can, you know, we can't give what we, what we don't have. And, um, you know, so it's important that we, we love ourselves when we see some of the, the, this level of, of vitriol, hate and, and anger that it's being cultivated. It's an opportunity. You know, that's the way I look at it for us as truth students. Yes. And ministers. Amen to that. And that music means we are out of time. Well, this has been a power hour with you and Tabor. Thank you so much for joining us here at Voices of Unity, and I'm sure you will be back. Thank you for listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. I'm Suzanne Giesman, and if you've ever wondered about life after death or if it's possible to connect with a higher consciousness, I invite you to join me for my podcast, Messages of Hope. It's my mission to share with you that our loved ones who have passed are always with us, and we are so very loved. I want to teach you how to live a consciously connected and divinely guided life. Listen here on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network.